be a you know a tough game and any time that you go up to Kingspan Stadium, it's a, it's always a tough outing and. Uh, um, we, you know, uh, they, there's a good new team. There's a new number of signings and that there that have come into Connacht. A uh, number of players have come from Leinster. Most of them are getting their own um, uh, this this weekend. And uh, Graham T- Gavin T- Tarnley is the is the captain because they both Jack and uh, the, the captain and vice captain both of them are out injured at the minute. So uh, Gavin is taking over the captaincy uh, for the game. Uh, tomorrow night um, as well as that we have the, our own Craigsman Dennis Buckley on, on the suspension good to see the, him back yeah and also the local Kiltoom man there in, in Nile Murray and that as well um, on the bench so there are two local men uh, that's here then we'd like to see both, both of them coming onto the pitch in uh, t- tomorrow evening's game and we'd like to we'd like to wish them all, all the best as well and uh, I suppose kind of elsewhere with, with Irish with regards to Irish teams in the URC um, very interesting isn't it it is yeah because like you, you have you have quite a few changes in uh, in in personnel and you have changes in in coaching in you have a slight tweaking in in Connacht, also changes in 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 Munster uh, you have a, a change uh, in um, in uh, Leinster, nice to see them uh, with uh, Declan Darcy and that they're coming into the Leinster setup. Uh, everybody will remember Declan, captain of the great uh, Leitrim team, and that there that won the Connor final and that there uh, in football, and he went on then to move back to to play with Dublin. So Declan will probably bring a new uh, freshness and uh, there to 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 Leinster, and you have also, um, I suppose, little uh, changes in in the Ulster. Uh, squad as well. They they uh, they lost uh, their their backs coach uh, during the year, and they have a new backs coach in uh, for for uh, for this season. And of course, like from an international point of view, both I suppose at the women's and the men's, uh, the men's game and the women's game. Uh, you know that these are games that uh, the international coaches Andy Friend or Andy Farrell and, and of course the, the 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 women's coach will have huge interest in like in, in the female side of things as well to see how the players are performing and I suppose that that'll help them to formulate their their squad not only for the November internationals but the the Six Nations and World Cup I know the World Cup is a bit further on but uh, I suppose in the more immediate uh, priority will be the uh, the six na- the November internationals and the and the Six Nations after Christmas. I suppose all this uh, in is geared in itself uh, for the World Cup mm. uh, uh, next September. But um, you know, at this stage, uh, you know, it, it's a bit off. And uh, the last time they were said that they peaked too early. So it's important that um, that we have the as big a squad of players as possible. And it is important that they that you know at URC level that the the four provinces here uh, who will be meeting one another uh, in in the early part of the season. Our first game, uh, our first game with the on the interprovincial side will be against Munster. Um, the first weekend in October, and that would be played uh, be played on the new 4G pitch that's going, that that has been recently installed in in the sports ground. So that'll be a, an interesting uh, outing and that there to see how uh, the two squads go. Uh, there's an emerging talent um, being picked there, a new team that's going to 
go down to uh, South Africa. A number of Connacht players uh, have made onto that team. Again, um, mainly dominated by by Leinster players. Uh, they would have more players in depth. A lot of players that would have played. Uh, on the under-20s, on the successful under-20s uh, team last season and the, and the season before. So, uh, again, it's a great opportunity for, for them young players uh, to, to pull up their hand uh, uh, to maybe go on further to re- uh, represent Ireland uh, down the road. And uh, before, we, before, we, uh, before we finish up, I suppose there's one, one lad we, we have to mention. Of course, a, a man you know very well... Um, Niall Quinn, his son, his son Andy Quinn, did, uh, achi- had a great achievement there recently. Uh, he won the Kicking Kings competition there a couple of weeks ago. There before the, an American football match in the Aviva, there was a, a kicking competition, and he won that. He won that, and he got won two tickets to go over to. Uh, I think he's on trial over there in Chicago, and uh, so that, that that was a great prize to win. And of course, you know, like when you're in a stadium like that, and you have, you have a huge crowd in the stadium for for a young lad like that, but he, he is a very good kicker, and we've seen the I've seen the video of it, and uh, you know it it takes nerves of steel to do that when when there's a huge crowd there, uh, but still to nail it and win a competition, uh, a great a great opportunity for him, and uh, you know it's of course he he plays for Craig's as well. There's probably a lot of players. Um, uh like that, and it's great to see a young uh, Craig's player that they're going on to uh, make, make a, a nearly an international name of himself at this stage. And you know, there there was a, another uh, person, lead, young leader, that played for for Connacht. He came on and won uh, a very big American uh, football game there as well. And he was sort of encouraging maybe more Irish that they they could uh, maybe get on to. Uh, teams in the kicking competitions and that there to to because it's very important to have a good kicker in in the American uh, uh, football as well. So you know, I wish I wish them well and I wish the young. Uh, uh, young Quinn and that they're the, the best of luck in, uh, in, in the future No problem, well listen, thanks very much Adrian for taking the time out to do Rugby View with us this week and we look forward to looking back at all those games next week Thank you Aidan No problem, thanks very much and that was uh, Adrian Leddy from Craig's Rugby Club talking about all things rugby Hello everyone, how are you doing? And you're very welcome to this this week's Roscommon LGFA uh, with myself Aidan Rafferty and of course as always we have Ollie Colgan Hello Ollie, how are you? Are you well? Hi, Ed, and how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back. Not too bad. No, not too bad. Good to be back after uh, after two weeks there, or three weeks, um, because as we know, the the uh, the strike by the referees. Um, but did uh, like we're we're going to uh, first of all, I suppose we kick off by looking back at last weekend's matches, uh, the first round of matches, I suppose after the uh, after the uh, referees withdrew their. Um, their services from the from the matches. Um, do, do you think that it, did it seem to affect the uh, affects the fixture list uh, that much? It did actually, Eden, because um, uh, the short uh, window of time frame was uh, inter-provincial matches, club matches. So it has had now. Luckily enough, uh, in Roscommon, there was a bit of breathing space. But it does change the date of the county final in the ladies and the semi-finals. The fem- semi-finals were originally down for the twenty fifth of this month and the final was to be the I think it's the 9th of October uh, so now yeah. the semi-finals semi-finals will actually now take place on the 9th of October and the finals are the 22nd so look at, look at they were luckily enough they were they had that bit of a breathing space but it just means that the uh, eventual winners will 
have less time to prepare for a provincial championship. But you're looking, we have to support the referees too and, and, and uh, look at it was the right bit, whether the merits of whether it was right or wrong and the clubs stand by them and, and, and that's, that's the most important thing. That's it. I, I think maybe that the fact that this happened, it seems to have uh, an effect in other sports as well, uh, you know, like soccer and uh, and rugby as well. Well, I, I don't think it was as much, ever as much in rugby, but we say other sports involving referees. I think uh, people are final, finally realising, listen, you know, referees are very precious and, uh, you know, if there's no referees available, then the games can't go ahead. So, uh, you know, I, I think it was needed, but I, I think it's like, like I said to Seamus Duke last week as well. It's uh, this is kind of something maybe that's coming, that's been coming down the line for a couple of years because it has been happening. But and maybe you know this is the incident that made it all come to a head. Yeah, possibly. Um, the, 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 the danger with that is that that physical tractor or whatever you want to call it or support doesn't fade, and, and the action needs to be taken now as well. And I think it. It's probably a bit disappointing that it wasn't kind of uh, replicated in other counties because uh, that's how strongly I feel about it. Uh, because yeah. um, you know it's a, it's a nationwide problem. It's not just a, a Roscommon problem, and uh, obviously they had to support their colleague Kevin Nocton. Um, but uh, I think some people are getting kind of the, the main reason behind this has been lost in transit. And it's not so much obviously that was an isolated incident. Well, hopefully it is an isolated incident. It's the it's where um, sometimes players receive whatever discipline or whatever they receive and for a red card or whatever an offence is and, and it seems to be you can go you can go so many levels of bureaucracy and even up to the, the steps of the, of the court and, and, and just get them called off and look we've, we, we know all it's happened at inter-county level where players got sent off in all their semi-finals and ended up in finals without any sanction and it's the same at club level it's happened as well famously and look I think it was coming as you say uh, but it's important that uh, the feel good factor and support towards the referees isn't forgotten when the ball is thrown in this weekend and you know <laughs> let's hope it's not and I suppose just to start off, I suppose with with last weekend's game, I know there wasn't that much kind of uh, on last weekend, but it's still still important to go over kind of the matches that they go again, uh, that they go ahead last week or whatever news is there, and then we can look forward to uh, we can look ahead to the fixtures this weekend in the senior, intermediate, and junior championship. Yeah, no problem. Uh, last weekend was actually a very pivotal weekend. It was the second penultimate games, as they call them, uh, before the final rounds this weekend. Now, there's a few couple of matches outstanding that still have to be played, but as rounds go, that was the second last round. And uh, it was moving around. Uh, there was a there was a few big big moves, and unfortunately, a few clubs, their season finished up. Uh, they can't catch whatever. So, at senior level, uh, Clanning Yale did battle with, with, with Dominic's. Um, Good battle for long periods, but Clan eventually ran out winners by 15 points, so that was to be expected. Although they still haven't, which is quite worrying for the rest of them, they haven't had their full contingent available yet. They played the last three games without Jenny Higgins and uh, Anya Connerton, who was player of the match, player of the season last year. So they'll be back next weekend. So uh, unfortunately, four kids last plays them next weekend. Uh, so Clan are, are comfortably top of the group. Uh, Bridget's again continued their impressive good form and. Uh, with a, a resounding victory over Shannon Gales. So that leaves them in firm, firmly in second place and don't think they can be caught. So And then Kilbride, are, uh, their recent good form, they're showing up again. They're, uh, they had another 
big win over over Western Gales. So poor old Western Gales that we have spoken about on this program a while are really suffering, and it looks as if they're heading only in one direction. So that puts Kilbride back in the hunt in third place, and then Kilglass were idle last weekend. So the big game that's the senior uh, with with one round to go, as I said. So Clannagale play Kilglass this weekend, which you at home in Johnstone you would expect uh, and to come through that, and then. Uh, Dominic's play Kilbride, which is a big battle uh, in Lochrochery. That's the game of the weekend. And then the last outstanding game is a very important game as well. The following weekend where Kilglass and Dominic's play each other. They'll probably be fighting out for that last spot. And it looks as if Western, Jail, or Western Gales are heading for the intermediate ranks. In intermediate, is done and dusted. Uh, so, unfortunately, Gorecastle are uh, pointless at the bottom. So, they lost the local battle to Aerogue. And uh, that cemented uh, Aerogue's place in the um, in the semi-finals. And of course, we had spoken about here a good bit. Boyle and St. Kieran's are the farm teams, and they're they've both topped the groups. They play each other this weekend. So really, I wouldn't read much into it even on paper. It, it, it's probably one of the best games of the weekend. But in reality, is they're both gone through. So it's like a dead rubber. And will will they be showing their hand? You know, it's hard to know. And then uh, St. Barry's, who have been a bit of a disappointment. But they did beat Castlery last weekend, so it was enough for them to to get to fourth spot. So they they take on Aerog this weekend, but again, it doesn't really make any difference. So the intermediate is sorted. Um, that's the way it is in junior level. Then that's that 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 was completed last weekend, and Clannagale uh, second team had a great win over St Folias. And for a second team, it's an incredible achievement. They actually finished third in the group, but this year. The junior championship, there's no quarterfinals, so they miss out. But they will fall back into the junior B championship. So that's 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 good progress for them in the second team. In the junior at the junior A level, it splits now, and junior A there's four teams left. So Parry Pierce's will play Michael Davies, and St. Crohn's will play a newly rejuvenated Strokestown. So that's the junior A semi-events. In the junior B, then uh, you have Clannagale, Tulse, Four Roads, and Owen fighting for battle. So yeah, look at it; uh, it's shaping up. As I said, there isn't too much to, left to be sorted this weekend, but uh, probably just that last spot in the senior group and uh, in the senior semi-finals, that's the last spot up for grabs over the next two weekends. Yeah, so I, I suppose that's going to be very interesting to see who gets that last spot. I suppose um, when you look at the senior championship, it's more or less as we would have thought uh, as regards uh, what teams are going to make it out of, out of the group stages and into the business end of it, shall we say. So I, I suppose, obviously, it's it's the usual it, it's the usual suspects, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, clan, like we've spoken about on and off, they, 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 they finally made the breakthrough last year after losing a couple of finals, but they're suddenly, it's amazing when you get the win, it, it, it has completely, they look now such a seasoned professional Outfit that it looks it doesn't look as if anybody would will well, no, no percent Bridges get them, and I think St Bridges might be in the final with them. So St Bridges are the common team, so maybe they, they will be the biggest challengers. Kilbride are not gone yet, but uh, I mean that's setting up to be a mouthwash in the semi final if it if it turns out that it's Kilbride, Kilbride and St Bridges in the semi final. So that'll be that'll really be something to look forward to. It's kind of the the, the old stock versus the new kid on the block. So that'll be interesting. And in Clan, you would expect Clan to be. Yeah, the winners of that, the opponents in the final clan should have enough for uh, Dominic or Kilglass in the semi-final. And I suppose more or less, more or less the same at at, uh, at intermediate level, like like you just said. I suppose the usual suspects, you know, Boyle have been there the last couple of years. Um, you know, getting to finals, um, just uh, you know, always the bridesmaids, never the yeah. never the bride. But um, you know, this could be the, this could be their year, third time lucky, maybe. Yeah, um, 
again, we've talked about it a good bit. It's 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 hard to get over that line, but uh, you know, as the weeks go on, uh, it'd be interesting to see how this weekend's game going. I know it's a dead rubber, but neither of them want to lose either because um, you know if they're meeting in three or four weeks' time in, in a county final, and it looks as if the two of them will. Although Aero have done nothing wrong all year, so there there'll be a tough opponent in a semi final. You would expect whoever the, whoever meets Barry's will 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 take Barry's in a semi final. So. Um, yeah, um, I was leaning towards Cairns. I, I said that to you a couple of weeks ago with their firepower yeah. of Laura Fleming and a few. But you know, as the weeks goes on, maybe maybe St. Cairns are just kind of just haven't quite got the 15, whereas Boyle seem to be a, collectively a, a a better team. But it'll it'll be a great final. It'll be a cracking final if the two of them end up in the final. But you know, your all could have a say in it yet. And I suppose really looking at St. Cairns, they have a really talented um, group of players. Maybe uh, I suppose central, like what you just said there. Maybe there are they over reliant on play on players like uh, like Laura Fleming, or is that is that an unfair thing to say? Ah, no, it's not. No, but that then and they won't mind us saying it either. Like I mean, everybody would rely on Laura Fleming, like you know. So um, <laughs> the problem is that, when, and I have some love Rachel Fitzmaurice, of course, to have on her Ennis, you know. Sheena Carroll, unfortunately, did her crucial ligament, so she's a big blow. She's a big loss from county minor and county senior finalist last or panelist. So she's a big blow to them. Um, but they just maybe on the compilers seem to have collectively kind of a you know a stronger. They, they won the minor A championship last year and they're in the the final the year before. Sorry, they were they were they lost the final last year, but they won it the year before. So they've they've been competing at A level at underage, and that that kind of might just swing it for them. Now, the big thing, of course, as you said, the big thing Boyle have to get over is the nerves of a final. They just didn't perform in the last two years in the final. So, I mean, they need to get... It's a psychological thing with Boyle now at this stage, you know. So, and St. Kieran's, St. Kieran's will be there ready to pounce. But if they can contain Laura Fleming even to four or five points on the day, you know, it's hard to see St. Kieran's getting over line. Although three weeks ago I said Kieran's would win it, but certainly Eirog shocked them in the, in, in the group. So, oh no, maybe that'll be the wake-up call that they needed as well, you know. But I suppose, and uh, I suppose, moving on to the junior championship, and you know, maybe some people might be shocked or surprised at this. But I've always, you, you know, when you see it, when you see the junior championship and the, the way it pans out and the teams that are there, it is a very hard championship to win. Actually, to, to you oh, know, yeah. not alone just to get to a county final, but to win it and and to, to get. Uh, to, to, to get up to, to intermediate level it's like you know it's a very equal championship isn't it in many ways oh yeah and it's it's dog eat dog down there like you know and it can be uh, pardon the pun it can be hard for a for a on paper a good team to get out of it as you say because there, you'll meet you know you'll meet teams that are down in junior for a while and are hard to beat and you know like and, and then you have a few teams that have yo-yoed Michael Glavis has gone up to intermediate and back down and you know, Tulsa is a big disappointment this year. They're they're not going to be in the shake up for the junior now. They're, they'll fall back into the junior B, and they're probably favourites to win the junior B. But so, like they're a typical example. They probably went in as one of the pre-season favourites for the junior championship, and they didn't win it. They only won one game in the group. So then they got caught. You know, on a couple of games. Now they only lost most of their matches by a point or two. But that's junior football, and uh, you know, Barry uh, Pierce's have embraced it well. In fairness, they they also fell from intermediate, but they. Seem to have gathered. They've got a lot of young girls in. Ollie Lennon is helping them out there. So defensively, they've become a bit more solid and hard to beat. So, um, but it, it, it's very hard to look past St. Crones or Michael Lavies in the junior. Hard to pick a winner out of the two of them now. St. Crones have 
yeah. liberated everybody everybody that met met this year but like as Boyle know over the last two years they won every match in the intermediate last two years and then lost the final you know so Corons have to stay going and, and um, Michael Labby's will be hard to beat uh, I'm coming in from the other semi-final so uh, very hard championship to call but you would expect Crohn's and Glavies to, to battle it out in the final that's it and I think now at this stage uh, I, I would like to be a man going into going into a betting shop betting on who will get to the county final at any of the at any of the yeah. grades this year but I think that's the, the, that's the beauty about it and uh, I suppose for the neutral fans that will be going to any of those games you, you know it, it's uh, there, there's some great matches on this weekend and, and ahead I suppose in the knockout stages uh, when it gets to that so listen thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, Chris Common LGFA with us this week and we look forward to looking back on those games again next week thanks Eden no problem thanks very much and that was Ollie Colgan from Chris Common LGFA Common all's going well here apart from the, the very heavy rain and uh, kind of thunder going on here at the moment but uh, we're getting through getting through it it's not, it's not stopping it's not going to stop us from doing all Ireland J memories anyway Tommy how's all doing in Kerry all good down here in Kerry Aidan we're looking forward to the county championship which uh, takes part this weekend so it's a feast of football for the next few weeks here in Kerry no problem that's great to hear and I hope you enjoy all the football down there and, and uh, it, it's great to have that the club championship back uh, in earnest and uh, I suppose really you probably heard down there about the referees uh, with this last year here or last week here here in Roscommon um, not at liberty to kind of discuss what happened because I didn't see what happened but uh, I think this, this is kind of something that, that has been coming for the last number of years really with the level of abuse not only in the GA but in uh, but in soccer as well you don't really see it in rugby or you don't see it in rugby but you know soccer and uh, GA at, at local level um, it's kind of common hasn't it it has yeah and I think like, it, it was it's terrible to see these, these scenes in our sport I mean there's no there's, there's uh, no time or place for anything in this sport I mean in fairness like a, a referee goes out there to do his job whether we like it or not sometimes we can give out but I think anyone that puts his hand near a referee I think they should be banned for life, and I think there should be a jail a jail sentence followed for what took place here in, in Roscommon. I think the the referees should be protected. In fairness, like some of some of them, like in fairness, like they go out there, they give it their all. Look, we all we're all inhuman. We all make mistakes. But anyone that comes onto the pitch and uh, assaults a referee, they should serve the the time. In fairness, and I suppose really, to be fair, you know, players and coaches and supporters do do get frustrated with. Um, you know, which decisions are made. Look, the referee understands that as well. He understands that, you know, they get under frustrated, but it doesn't warrant, it never warrants for it to go, to go that far. But uh, uh, hopefully the GA now will put, uh, will, uh, will do something about it and uh, hopefully it'll be, it'll be brought to an end. But uh, I suppose we, we, this week we're going to be talking about the 1996 All-Ireland Senior Championship replay between me and uh, Mayo and no less the levels of passion in the replay that are, as there was in the in the first game but I suppose just to kick off the game, just to kick off the podcast just to uh, mention the two teams on both sides uh, literally with, with real quality players uh, on both sides they were indeed I suppose in goals to meet that day with Conor Martin with Mac O'Reilly at number two with Gavin Fay at three with the great Martin O'Connor at four Column Kyle at five, in the McManus at six, 
with Paddy Rinnons at seven, Jimmy McGuinness eight, John McDermott at nine, Trevor Giles at ten, the great Tommy Dowd at eleven, Graham Garrity at twelve, Colin Brady at thirteen, Brendan Riley at fourteen, and we had Barry Callan at fifteen. And on the Mayo side, we had a very good Mayo side that time. We were very unlucky in the replay. That, 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 that we were very unlucky that this game did go to the replay because there were six points in, in front and the game came to the draw prior to this. But we had in goals John Madden, Kenneth Mortimer, Kevin Cahill, Dermot Flanagan, Pat Holmes, James Nallen, Noel Keneally, the captain, Lee McHale, David Brady, James Horn, Colin McMiniman, Morris Sheridan, Anthony Fionti, John Casey, and Ray Dimsey. So we had two strong teams there in fairness in Crow Park that day. And I mean, in fairness, the 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 game prior to this, which ended in the draw, was a fantastic game altogether. But this game, I suppose, really was mad with ugly scenes in the in in, in when a fight broke out in the pitch in in the in the in the early few minutes of the game. And I think the the ref Pat McAnini, he he was um he he made a a very difficult decision in, and he put off Mayo's, he put off uh, two players, he put off Lee McHale and he put off um, Colm Coyle and I think in fairness that um, Lee McHale, he, he the, what you call it, he, he had a man in the match winning performance in the, um, in the drawing game and I think in fairness, I think after this, I think that um, there was a, there was a lot of suspensions after this in fairness, the rugby scenes, I think there were six Mayo players and eight Mayo meat players were handed out suspensions after this game, but the ugly scenes at the start of this game, it, it you know, it didn't matter what went down in the pitch afterwards because it was a good enough final in fairness. Look, and I suppose really that day Mayo had the advantage of a strong wind in the first half, and they had most of the possession. And Mayo they led by they led by four points at half time this day. And in fairness, like they went in at half time one six to one two, but in fairness, me came out. Uh, and and they what you call it they they they, they went back at Mayo and I think after five minutes in the second half they made only a point behind but Mayo played the best football when facing the wind in the second half they played the ultimate price really in that there for for poor play in many parts of the field and were they were unable to score in the second half as much as they missed a pile of whites. But really, looking at this game, looking at the replay, um, I suppose look, looking at the two teams, first of all, there doesn't seem to be any changes from uh, the start, both starting 15s from the from the first game. And also, you, you know, it was... Um, it, it was it was it was a real battle for both for both teams. But uh, who do you think, for, from looking at the replay, learned from the first day? Well, I think, More. in fairness, I think, I think it was neat. They learned yeah. from the first because Meek were five or six points down in, in in the replay, and Mayo couldn't put Mayo couldn't put him away. But Meek snatched the draw that day. But I think, like in fairness, like if you look back at this all on, like you look at halftime score that day, yeah, in, in the second game it was one six to one two. Like it was four points. It was a comfortable lead in fairness at halftime by Mayo, and in fairness they fell short and they didn't been beaten by a point, but. Was an all Ireland. If you look back at all of Mayo's all Irelands, I mean, in fairness, there was a lot of them that've been in the finals. Like they've been in the final team times. Like this was one that really, really, really got away from. This was a final which they should have won. In fairness, like this game shouldn't have went to draw the first game. They should have put me away that day. But in fairness, they came up sharp again in 1996 in the second game, and they're only beaten by a pint. But in fairness, look, this was a very good meet side as well. And looking at the game, looking at the game as well, it's. Um... 
you know, it, it, it was it was a, it was a good game, but then it really needed. Uh, there was there was, uh, there was uh, no lack of no lack of spark in it, and you know, I mean, when you see the quality of um, of the, the players that Mayo had, would you say you know it was a real kind of match for the forwards? Really, you know, there was uh, it, it was uh, you know the the scoring levels were high for both teams, I suppose. And um, would you say the losing of it for for Mayo was maybe they didn't take their chances that me, but me did. Yeah, I think the losing of this game, I think in France, I think that Mayo they played really good football, but when they faced to win the second half, but the other, I think in fairness they paid the ultimate price, Aiden, for the poor player. Look, I watched it last night in many parts of the field, and in fairness they were unable to score. And I just looked at the scores like Mayo. They got only five points in the second half. In fairness, like it's not a it's not a good return either. And in fairness, in saying that, I think um, I think Meat only got one something in the second half as well. But Meat got a goal in the second half as well, which which but was a tight game in the second half. But in fairness, Mio got their chances, and uh, you're correct in saying, but they missed umpteen chances. And uh, like, you know. Um... You know, especially at the hill, if it's a windy day, it can be a tricky wind in Crow Park. Um, more so back then, you know, just just before the um, just before the I suppose the the pitch or the stadium was uh, rebuilt or or changed. You know, it can be a wicked wind and very hard. But I suppose that's up to the forwards to kind of adjust their uh, their kicking style to that, especially maybe for freeze. Um, you know that that's um, it, it's kind of an interesting it's kind of interesting for for free takers, isn't it? It is, yeah. But I suppose really, if you look at it that they like they went in a four at the break. They, they must they come out at half time and saying, "Okay, this is it. Look, we'll go for it here now." But in fairness, me win for it. I meet uh, grabbed it by the juggler, and within five minutes, me were back that point. In fairness, like and 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 in fairness, I think that John, I think Mayo went in front. Uh, Prior on the second half, in the middle of the second half, Mayo led by two points. I think there it was, um, I think it was Morris, Morris, um, Sheridan. He got a point, and I think, um, what happened then? I think that, um, that Tommy Dow got a goal, I think, and Brendan Riley got a point. So, I think they in fairness, like, I think that Mayo got the edge of him, but in fairness, Mayo, or sorry, me got the edge of him, but in fairness, Mayo. They missed a lot of poor. I watched it last night, they, they missed a lot of a lot of poor chances, but look. It's one they got away from. If you ask me out of all their finals down through the years, I would have said this was the number one final. And certainly in 1996, they had me baiting out the gate in the first game. They couldn't put them away. They had them baiting in the second game. They were four points clear going into the break. They came out. We know this meat team down through the years. They have a never say die attitude. The same with Mayo. Mayo came out in the second half. They couldn't put the scores on the board and meat edged them by a point. And then looking at looking at this game as well, I mean, you you could you could say that maybe me me kind of edged it on the I suppose on the when when it came to kind of mental strength, even though even though Dublin are like you, you couldn't question Mayo Mayo's determination and want to win, but I suppose you you, you know mental strength has a lot to do with it, and uh, you, you know taking the pressure kicks, uh, you know free freeze can be very can be very you know it's a pressure situation as well, and maybe that that's where me me won as well, but. Uh, you know, it, it it is um it, it does it does come down to it. You, you could nearly say that I suppose out of both teams, like with uh, with me playing in Leinster. I mean, it was a lot more competitive. Leinster was a lot more competitive back then. You know, I, I suppose Kildare were playing well. 
Um, I think often they were starting to come really to the fore then, you know. They remember I think the following year they had a really good team and they won the they won the Leinster final. So they had a team obviously then the, <laughs> nine times out of ten, Mead always came across Dublin as well in the Leinster Championship. So maybe that that's kinda that, that kind of stands to them, you know, so that when they come out of uh, when they when they come out of um Leinster they're they're kind of they're they're more I won't say sharper, but um, their their mental strength and I suppose their experience of difficult games against uh, against the teams that I just said kind of comes to the fore when it comes to an All Ireland final. Well, I suppose I, I agree with you there one hundred percent. If you look at the teams that meet beat that year in the Leinster Championship, they beat Dublin that year in the final, and drastically yeah. actually meet they beat Tyrone in the semi final that year, and Tyrone were beaten in the final the year before. And if you look at Mayo, 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 Mayo gave Kerry a right trimming in the semi final that year, and uh, Mayo they beat Galway three nine to one eleven in the Connacht title. But I think, I think Meath, you know, the beating of Dublin and the beating of Tyrone in the semi final it helped Meath an awful lot. They, I think they they beat stronger opposition in fairness, and I I I'd be agree with you there. And I think maybe the football in Leinster was a way stronger that time than what it is certainly today. I would like we're not running down Mayo. Mayo were excellent on both days as well. They had brilliant forwards, good backs. But I suppose you know this. this uh, as we just said there, you know this main team. You know they had they just had that that slight edge. But that slight edge is all you need. Uh, you know to, to win the game. I suppose their accuracy was. Uh, but but they, they had the game plan. I mean, when when you look at Mayo's, the Mayo team and the players, you know, if you were to be specific, I suppose Liam McHale, uh, you, you know, some of the some so, some of the quality forwards that they have as well, um, they seem to have their homework done and uh, had a plan for the for those top players on the Mayo team. Well, I think in fairness, Pat McEnany made a decision that day. They were killing each other after a few minutes out in the field. He went over to two players, Lee McHale who had an outstanding game. He was man of the match in the drawing game. He put him off and he put Colin Kyle off. I think putting off uh, the Mayo player that day, it turned the game around big time because he was their best player in the previous game that day. He got man of the match in the drawing game. And I think in fairness, look, but in fairness, there were a couple of points up at halftime that day. Mayo, we came back at him in fairness, like and they'd done their homework near the finish, look, and they edged them up by pint. But in fairness, look, we could talk about Mayo football all day. In fairness, look, they've been an unlucky team down through the years. But I mean, Meath was a, this Meath team was a very good side. Look, you look at Meath, they won the All Ireland in 59, they won in 54, 67, they won in the early, early days 87, 88, they won in 96, and they won in 99. So they had a very good record in Crow Park that time in the, in the late 80s and the, and the early 90s. And yeah, I guess um, switches and substitutions on the day. Do you find that they maybe turn the game either way for either team? Well, I was supposed to look Mayo, Mayo lost, but uh, you know, I mean, like, did they make much of it? Did the substitutions and maybe tactical switches or positional switches make much of a difference to the to the overall outcome? Or they, um, you know, I mean, did it turn the game in either way? It didn't. No, but I think I think I suppose really the the big thing for for me, I suppose. The man they brought on that day, they brought on Shaman, they brought on Pat Fallon, Tom Riley, I think, and they brought on PJ Loftus, who got the goal. But I think, look, goals win games. Look, if you look at Trevor Giles that day, he got 1-4 from East. Tommy Dow got 1-3. Barry Callan got a pint, and Brendan Riley got a pint. James Horn got five points that day. Morris Sheridan got four. 
PJ Loftus got a goal and John Casey got a pint. An interesting fact I saw there as I was going through this for the last week there, but only four players from each side uh, scored in that All Ireland final. There you go, but I suppose those, those players, those players are normally the the players that are dependent on. You know the way. I suppose every team has the players to depend on, like we say, Kerry uh, nowadays. You know, obviously O'Shea and Shawnee O'Shea and Paddy or uh, David Clifford and Paddy Clifford and things like that, and even me, you know, Michael Ganey and things like that. You know, every, every team has players like that, uh, and uh, I suppose they're the ones on both sides that that, that did the business. Obviously, for Mayo, it, it, it just it they just came short. But you know, on another day, maybe they could have won it. They could have won it on another day. And I mean, if you look at Mars Sheridan that, that, that year, I mean, he, he was top scorer that year. He got 133. In fairness, look, Mayo, you look back 96, there was five or six points up in the first game. There were four points up in the replay. In fairness, it shouldn't have went to replay. They should have won the first day. The second game, they should have won it as well. But in fairness, look, take nothing away from me. They were a solid outfit. They came to Crow Park that day. Their heads didn't drop. They came out at half time. They put the scores on the board. Mayo came out. Their heads dropped a small little bit. They, they, they had poor, poor play. They put the ball around the field and they put a good few wides. So, in fairness, Mayo, or Mayo, they done the same thing in Crow Park, what they've done for the last couple of years. They just couldn't get over the finishing line. Yeah, you could say like Mayo are just, uh, it's not that they're a bad team, they're just really unlucky. And uh, but do you like to think that maybe, you know, with, uh, with the appointment now of uh, of Kevin McStay to, uh, you know, and with players coming through that maybe, you know, in the, in the coming years they can win in All-Ireland. But uh, I suppose, and uh, the man of the match on the day was? The man of the match on that day, I think it was uh, was Martin O'Connell from Meath. I think he was Texo. He was. Uh, I think he was man of the match that day. I think he got he got football of the year that day as well. I think it was uh, Martin O'Connor. But in fairness, look, I suppose in all Ireland finals, look, you could give a lot of players man of the match. Look, at the end of the day, look, I suppose it goes down to panel. Look, but I suppose as uh, we do every week, look, we will go through the the all stars that year. And I suppose really look, it's picked from a panel as well. But in fairness, in goals that year, you had Finn Bar McConnell got his first all star for Tyrone. Uh, at number two from Mayo you had Kenneth Mortimer who got his first All-Star at number three you had Darren Fay from Meat he got his first All-Star you had Martin O'Connor who we spoke about there at number four was he got his fourth All-Star Pat Holmes at number five from Mayo he got his first All-Star James Nallen who's uh, 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 sorry at number six that day he got his first All-Star Paul Kern from Dublin was at number seven, he got his third All-Star. Lee McHale, who got put off that day, got an All-Star at number eight. Uh, John McDermott from Meath got an All-Star at number nine. He was his first All-Star. Trevor Giles was actually his first All-Star that day at number 10. Uh, Tommy Dowdy's fourth All-Star at number 11. James Horton, who was at number 12, got his first All-Star that day. Joe Bradley from Derry got his first All-Star that day at 13. Peter Canavan got his third All-Star at 14. And Morris Fitzgerald from Kerry got his second All-Star at 15. So the All-Stars that they were, uh, Meek got five All-Stars, Mayo got, got five, Tyrone got two, uh, Dublin got one, Derry got one, and Kerry got one. So it was a good mixture in fairness. That's great. And a very good, and a very good All-Star team for 1996 uh, after replay. And uh, so thanks very much, Tommy, for doing... Uh, all Ireland's yeah, memories with us and we look forward to doing it all again next week. 
Yes, indeed, Aidan. We look forward to you next week in the 1997 All-Ireland. How, how could I forget about that one? It was Kerry's first win after 11 years. That's it. So that, uh, that's something for that's a game for uh, for our listeners to look forward to next next uh, next week. So that, and that was uh, that was Tommy Downing, our GA expert. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and the show is as always kindly sponsored by uh, Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. Well, it's now time for local J and to take us through all things J. We have uh, former Roscommon goalkeeper Ray Lan. Hello, Ray. How are you? Are you well? All good, then. Thanks. Yeah. That's good. Great to have you back. It's been a, it's been a while, but it's, it's good. But it's good to have you back. And I suppose. We'll we'll, uh, we'll have to have a look at the uh, the whole refereeing situation and what happened. Um, you know, I've been speaking to Seamus about this and a couple other people. Um, you as well. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Um, you kind of have to say maybe that it was kind of something that was coming coming down the line for years because I mean it's been a long time happening where referees do get abused, but there was never kind of anything done about it. And uh, this could be the the marker laid down. Well, first of all, Aidan, it's very difficult to talk about because at the minute it's an allegation, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. It's, it's under investigation, I'd imagine, by the county board and everything else. So it's very difficult to talk about, really, um, other than to say that let the, let the, let whatever happens has to happen, you know. And yeah. There's been a, a reaction by the referees, which was to, you know, not officiate a fortnight ago and you, have, you, you can't blame the referees. They, no, they exactly. Can't. But well, I think it brings about a very important thing that we forget about in sport. Sport, we, a lot of the media attention and like um, a lot of newspapers, radio, internet, everything continues to promote and to exalt the efforts of the players and you know the great performances of the players and teams and managers and supporters and the corporate side of things as well. And there's very little attention. I'd say if you looked at it at a, at a pie chart, of the attention given to the people who make the whole thing tick, which is the referees. If there's a pie chart on exposure and promotion and like appreciation of, of every facet of, of sport across the world, not alone in Ireland, I'd say the pie chart would maybe, it wouldn't even have a 1% share to the referees and in terms of the support and gratitude that we all um, must give referees. Because, Aidan, it's like the train driver. We can't go to Dublin or wherever on the train unless the train driver, no matter how good of a of a machine they have or how good of a network or how good of um, rolling stock uh, the, the rail company has without the train driver that machine ain't leaving the station especially yeah. with referees they are so important and they're so underappreciated I think as well um, in the whole concept of sport across the globe they make it all happen we all train the teams train hard the support the sponsorship the fans turn up the hype the buzz the media all important everything's important but the referees are they are the drivers they're the people in charge without them um, sport doesn't happen and we, we it just if you like shines a light on the importance of the officials match officials no matter what sport be it LGFA be it GA be it soccer would be um, even athletics the referees they, they uphold the law of the game they make sure the game is played in a sporting manner they, they treat players if, if players need to be uh, brought to attention that's what the referee does in Premier League the same you know the National Football League Gaelic basketball everything and, and, and respect for referees Aidan it's non-negotiable. It is yeah. absolutely non-negotiable. And, <clears throat> you know, what, whatever happened in Roscommon, it's an allegation, and I'm not going to talk about it because, like, it's under the, the GA, I'm sure, every, you know, is, is dealing with it and being talked about 
you know, measures taken and everything else. And at the minute, it's an allegation. I, I, I'd be reluctant to comment on it. And I won't, I won't comment on it, Aidan, other than to say yeah. that, that's, that's, you know, uh, if the referee, um, you know, is, is, is the key linchpin of our games. And they must be respected 150% by players, management, supporters, everybody. And I think this just shines a light on the importance of the referee in the game, Aidan. And uh, fair play to the referee's organisation for taking their stand. They have to be applauded for that, Aidan. You know, and out in support of their colleague, and uh, as the man said, let due process take its place. You know, within the GA or whatever, and and that's all I could say because really, it's not for us to, to discuss the ins and outs of that particular incident. Other than to say that um, the referees deserve so much respect, and I think from here on in, any work, even even in talk, chat, back chat to the refs. Yeah. You know, do you know the idea the back refs are very tolerant. You see it in the Premier League as well, where they're mic'd up and, and some players give them abuse and they just brush it off it goes over their head but it must affect them and I think uh, I think it's, it's, it's beholden everybody involved in sport to uh, continue 100 respect uh, for the referees because you know all the sports have now give respect show respect that's nearly geared towards teammates teams for each other but it, yeah. it's the referee has to be the, the most important you know and nobody be official here's nothing in I would say no player nobody should be allowed inside the um precincts of the football pitch other than the physiotherapist the doctor and the 15 players and the referee yeah other than the match officials nobody should be allowed in other than medical personnel and the referee and the players nobody and I think the minute a manager or a selector or a coach encroaches over the whitewash I think they should be red carded straight away out of the field and I think they should be that red card should be treated uh, in the same way as a player that if they're if the, if the red card for encroachment, Aidan, I, I, would, I would say, this is my own opinion, they should be banned for a period of time. Not alone, no. not even, not even, not even um, they shouldn't be even allowed into a GA pitch. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, what I should, that's what I think should happen. I, should, I think nobody other than the players and the, the match officials, the linesmen, the umpires, and the medical personnel should be on the field. And if, if any official off the team encroaches, either there should be something like, the minute they're, 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 they encroach, it's red cards right away. I think there should be zero tolerance on that. You see it from time to time, match officials and people running in, uh, selectors running into the pitch, and it's unsightly. And I think, Aidan, the, the mindset has to change on all of that. And fairness, look, at it, it's only a, a rare occasion that managers or selectors run in. But I've seen it at county level in, Dun- in, in the north when I was in Donegal. I saw a selector of a particular team running onto the pitch and preventing the opposition goalkeeper from kicking the ball out because yeah. he, want, he wanted to bring medical attention to a player at the other end of the field, the referee didn't see. It was totally scandalous and it's out of order. I saw it myself, I was at the game and that sort of carry-on shouldn't happen but it, it should be zero tolerance for that, It's non-negotiable. Respect for referees, non-negotiable and credit the referees of Roscommon for taking the stand. They were dead right. That's it, but I suppose really we, we've seen it now. Um, the GAR proposing a 96-week... Um ban for for anyone that atta- that uh, um, assaults a referee in any way, shape or form excessive or not that's like yeah, nearly I, a two year ban nearly <laughs> what, what, well I, look at it and I don't know what, what I haven't been reading the report whatever with the GA is it's suggesting or doesn't say that, that it's non-negotiable um, yeah. referees have to be treated with utmost respect, most of them are by, by the vast majority of player supporters and officials, but there are exceptions, mm. and th- those exceptions have to be 
dealt with in the proper way. I'm not talking about Roscommon, I'm talking about generally. Yeah. And you see it at the highest levels where referees, some referees are very patient and I think we'll see and should see more uh, red cards for back chat. You know what yeah. I mean? And if people say, oh, back chat, ref, play, some players maybe think I get a yellow for one back chat and, um, and then it won't be yellowed for the second one. But the referees, I think, should, uh, they're honest, ordinary people going out as amateurs to do a very difficult job and, it's for, and they're human. And they make mistakes. Everybody mm. makes mistakes. Players and, make and mistakes. I, 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 and again, I'm talking in general about yeah. sport, not talking about risk common. Players make mistakes. Referees make mistakes. And, and anybody that's involved in sport understands that. Players are human. The referees are human. And they yeah. can make mistakes. But I, even in football, I've seen it over the years. If a referee makes a mistake, and it's, he generally makes up to the team that, you know, later on in the game, you often find that if the players just keep their mouths shut, a referee knows himself if he blew the whistle the wrong. He'll make it up, and that's a general comment I've seen in my time playing football. But the fellow that starts mouthing at the ref, he's going to get nothing off the referee. The 50-50 decisions or the marginal ones, he can't expect to get them, and proper order, he shouldn't get them, you know, if he's going to be blackguarding the referee and, and, and mouthing the referee. But, Aidan, the whole thing about this is, uh, in my opinion, the referees, it just, it just shines a light how valuable the personnel of referees are. They are so important. They're the drivers of the train. No matter what sort of carriage you have, it could be the royal carriage on the back of the train. If you've got no driver, forget about it. Similar sport. And we've all seen over the years, the odd time, you know, where we turn up for a game, both teams turn up for a game, and the referee has a misunderstanding where the referee doesn't call because he felt it was another day or whatever. It's so disappointing when the game isn't got called on, you know what I mean? Mm. And it just shows how important the referees are. And about Rick Common, then I won't talk about it because it's under, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean a, a thing about a uh, final decision on a jet, but other than to say that the referees, you know, body and Rick Common credit them for making the decision. But we ha- everybody, I think, across the board, referees, Aidan, and I remember repeating myself, it's non negotiable, 100% respect, no back chat from players. A ref shouldn't have to move a ball 30 metres forward because somebody is back chatting. shouldn't happen. It yeah. should not happen. And that, it happens all the time. Uh, but anyway, look at. That's all it. <laughs> you know, uh, we wish our referees well. That's all. I'll say. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think, I think, players themselves now um, will 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 be so mindful that their games are called off a couple of weeks ago, and they have to keep in mind. And and teams have a, a responsibility to try and and and, and go out and talk, talk to players who have have a propensity to back chatting. And there are one or two Aiden in, in in nearly every club. I mean, that's my experience of it. Yeah. Who have a, have a, have a habit of back chatting the referee, and I've seen it myself over the years. And it's one thing I've tried not to do ever is to complain to referee, and and I think they deserve all the respect. I think back chat should be out, and let's hope that um, the the position and the the such important position referees have in our games is is, is appreciated and more even more so now. And uh, and, and let's hope that that. Uh, you know that, that that's across the board of sport, no matter what sport it is, from juvenile sport to Premier League football to international rugby, that the referees, um, you know, are, are are totally respected in, in in the manner in which they should be at all times. Their decision is final. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, just moving on to something, I suppose, more positive. Um, I've been talking to you uh, over the last few weeks, there, uh, Ray. Um, I'm going to be doing a, a podcast on uh, the history and memories of St. Coman's GAA pitch. 
um, you know, I've I've spoken there to um, Tony Conroy from Boyle. You probably you probably a man you probably know about. He wrote a, a book there a couple of years ago about the the history of the GA in Roscommon and things like that. I did an interview. I played it earlier on there. That, that's kind of the first interview that I'm going to be that's going to be on the um, the podcast. But um, you know, it is a pitch. It, it's it's not only is it a sports pitch, but it's also a piece of Roscommon heritage. And when you when you look back over the history of this pitch, the great men, the the, the great men and women uh, in hurling football, ladies football, and camogie that would have played on that pitch over, over the years, the great Jimmy Murray, Jerry O'Malley, Jeannie, the list is endless. You, you know, you you trained on it, played played. Challenge matches on it, you know. We've I've done you know at club level and different things. It holds so many memories for so many people, but players, coaches, and indeed supporters as well, and even local people as well, because it wasn't just GA things. There was other events that would have been held on us as well, and uh, you know it, it's just a it's just a, a brilliant pitch with, with uh, that people can look back with and and uh, remember some great some great days. Yeah. In Roscommon's um, Park is Roscommon's Field of Dreams, and, and, yeah. and I'm sure all our listeners are familiar, most of them, with the, fi- the film The Field of Dreams. Kevin Costner, Ray Liotta, who died this year, Burke Lancaster was in it. Absolutely brilliant film. Um, think, uh, you know, wonderful film. Jer- James Earl Jones, who played Darth Vader, was in it as well. You know, he was the, mm. the poet or the writer that Kevin Costner, Ray Kinsella, was going to meet and, and, and uh, talk about the, the Field of Dreams up in Idaho, but it was a wonderful film, Aidan. And you remember all the great baseball players came out of the, the cornfield, you know, like um, Shoeless Joe Jackson and Babe Ruth and all that to play on the field. And if, if, if Coleman's Park could, if you made a film called Field of Dreams in Ireland and Roscommon, it would be Coleman's Park. And you can imagine the players that would come back out of the cornfield to play on, on, on Coleman's Park. You said Jerry O'Malley, Jimmy Murray, um, Dermot Early, all the great Mayo players of the Turkey's aid, you know, that won the All Ireland mm. in the Turkey. Um, 36 semi-final was played in, Co- in Coleman's Park between Kerry and, and Mayo the, the Mayo won that, that All-Ireland you know with Henry Kinney in the Kinney's father was the captain of the team you know Porky Kelly some great legends of, of the football era played there in the 30s so like Coleman's Park Aiden, if, if the if, say if walls could, could speak um, they tell a fair tale but there's no walls down there in the rest of them, but there, if the grass and the, and, the, and the shrubbery and the trees around Coleman's Park could speak what a tale is a tale Aiden, and it's definitely Roscommon's Field of Dreams. It's as important, in my opinion, of her- heritage for Roscommon as the castle because it's there for the, go- for the whole of the last century and it's, it's been where nearly every Roscommon player and every Roscommon Gales player has played in it and most players before, you know, over the age of 60 that played for in Roscommon club football has played in Coleman Park because that's where all the big games were played before Hyde Park was opened in 1971. Yeah. So, Coleman's Park holds a load of memories in. It's a unique surface. The the pitch in the summertime was absolutely beautiful. It was that sort of like uh, clover or sort of soft uh, texture that you wouldn't get injured if you fell on it, no matter how hard or how dry the weather was. And of course, it flooded during the winter. They called it the lock. But it was an amazing football pitch. And I remember training on it with under-16 senior, minor, uh, Noel O'Brien, uh, minor, Sean Young, under-16, Gashier, and the senior. I remember, I just think of all the runs we used to do with the senior when I was training on Saturday morning running 50-yard, 60-yard sprints, you know what I mean? But that's what had to be done, and, 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 and they were all the better for it. That was hard training at the time, but that's the way it had to be done. But I remember specifically Aidan, Sean Young, and under-16 training back in 1991, and I, I know I repeat myself so many times when I'm talking about it, but I can still see Sean Young uh, in his Rastaman chat suit, 
with the, the old traditional blue tractor with the yellow pinstripes down the, the sides of his of his shoulders and down the sides of his of, of the, the trousers on the test suit and him showing us how to pick the ball off the ground at speed, you know, putting the two hands out in front of the ball and picking it up at speed and doing all the drills and I'll never forget it. It, it, it really opened my eyes to drills. Uh, training under Sean Young, like the training I had up to that point, like was decent, but Sean Young, in terms of skill level and skill set, mm. the basics and doing the basics well, Sean Young was absolutely phenomenal. Like uh, you learned so much from him, you know. And when I started doing my bit of coaching, I tried to to bring in Sean Young's skill set training into it. And lads used to say to me, "Oh, this is boring, Ray. We do this every training session." I said, "Yeah, but you never make a mistake." Rarely did they make a mistake when they go playing the match. I knew a fellow was going down the ball. You know, we never ever penalised picking the ball off the ground hardly. You know that sort of way. Yeah. Or catching the ball over your head, or taking it on your chest, or blocking it down, or or, or hand passing left, hand passing right, kick passing left, kick passing right. All the all the basic skills Aidan, that that are so important to the game. And the more you do them, the higher level skill set level of skill set you have, the higher standards you have. And then if you implement your speed training and everything else in, in terms in, in with your high skill skill set and good footballers there's the ingredients for, for a decent side you know you know you've games after but Coleman Park what a, play, what a place and uh, you know Aidan if it's gone it's a sad thing for us Coleman to lose that part of the heritage uh, a couple of years ago I was down and I just took a walk down memory lane in the pitch Aidan and walked mm. on it during the summer it was lovely and the old turnstile was still there at the time I know the, to- the old turnstile is gone that's a rich uh, piece of heritage so a rich piece of uh, artefacts that I'd like you'd like to know where that is because uh, if there's a muse- museum of GA in Roscommon, that certainly be, would be part of it, and it's it's probably worth a lot of money as well, I'd say. And um, it, it, it would be great to to, to to get a handle on where where it is because I, I looked it up, Aidan, and it was built and made by a company in Manchester, and uh, it was probably made in the probably over a hundred years ago, and it's the company that made it. Yeah. Uh, they made all the turnstiles for all the old football stadiums, Wembley Stadium, Burnley, Manchester United. They made all the, the turnstiles as those old traditional turnstiles. So it's a, a great piece of, her, piece of heritage and, and, and everything in, in, in Coleman's Park. And still you have the embankments there as well, still left in. But people talk about um, the great Leitrim team, Aiden, of the 50s. They played in kind of finals in, 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 in Coleman's Park. And probably one of the greatest ones was in 58, when uh, Patty McGarity, the great Leitrim footballer who died last year, played one of his greatest games of all time in Coleman's Park against Galway in the Connacht final Galway won by two points but part, part, Patty McGarity had such a good game it's said that that the, the Galway some of the Galway players actually ripped the jersey off him you know he was so he was like will of the wisp he was getting by everybody they couldn't stop him but eventually he ended up with his jersey and shreds at the end of the game but everybody talks about Patty McGarity's performance that day in 1958 and the last game ever Roscommon played there in the senior championship game was in 1968 Galway Beat Roscommon in the Connacht Championship, I think, by two points. Um, 